Hey guys, welcome back to the GOAT Podcast. This is a sports show where you do not have to use headphones. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and this is the week where we overview the AFC. Starting today with the AFC North. I have two guests with me, one of which is a devout NFC fan. Kind of got you on in the wrong week, didn't we, Mark? Hey, that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll spit some truth about the AFC. That basically means that that's not what he's going to do. Oh, uh, yes, it is. No, no. And then we also have Tyler Cannon, who, like myself, is a fellow AFC North fan. Tyler, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the show? Tell us a little bit about your sports teams and kind of how you uh, you identify with sports. And then we'll go to Mark, and then we'll start the podcast. Yeah, um, so uh, grateful for the opportunity to be on and, and talk some ball with the guys. And um, as Michael mentioned, uh, definitely a big AFC North guy for the for the Cleveland Browns. Um, I know that's some uh, for some it may be painful to say, but I'm a trooper. We hang in there. And you have to be to be a Browns fan. You, you can't. Uh, no, 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 hold kid. on, hold on. <laughs> you can't. You can't say I'm a trooper like that's a badge of honor when you're a Cleveland fan. No, it is. I mean the 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 stuff that we have to go through, the incompetency of this uh, city. Because well, basically nah, all your sports teams are bad. Are trash. I mean, not Total the Cavs. Trash. Cavs are doing – they're going to be the fourth seed in the playoffs probably. I'll give it three years. They'll go back to winning 16 games a season. <laughs> no, no. In no. basketball, that's pretty bad. Go ahead, Tyler. Sorry. But, uh, <laughs> no, I definitely love uh, my Cleveland Browns. Um, I'm a definitely a big Ohio State guy, so I, I root for those as well. We agree there. In the NFL. Um and uh, I coach high school football at Heritage High School um, and uh, coach in our youth league out there. Um, that's obviously changed now that I'm here in Memphis, but uh, I take uh, a lot of pride in my alma mater out there, and uh, they're very close to my heart. And being a part of a team, I'm going to say I'm tw- going to be 27 this year, and I've been a part of a team for uh, 22 years now. So, um, But excited to be a part of here this team and be excited for it to be on the podcast today. Well, we're glad to have you. I know it's a, it's a blessing. The reason we started this show is for situations like this. You guys are students here at MSOP. Uh, shameless plug, if you're looking to go to preaching school and you like sports, hey, man, maybe we'll talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, come hang out. Uh, yeah. We'd love to have you. But this is an opportunity and an avenue for us to actually trust sports. And it doesn't mean that because I'm a host of the show, that makes it a trustworthy show. But it's trustworthy in that, in the entire time we've started this, there's not been one person that's messaged me saying, I really didn't appreciate the way you were talking, and that's that's the goal. Uh, right. Mark, go ahead and introduce yourself to okay. the podcast. My name is Mark Garner. I'm from Haskell, Oklahoma. Some have said it's the holy grail for sports in the world. Overrated. Who, who has said that other uh, than you? Uh, well, there's been other people, a couple other people. I've name, heard from. name 30. Uh, no. <laughs> no. I, I was going to do it, but... I'm a I'm a lifelong Philadelphia Eagles fan, and I'm a big Oklahoma Sooner fan. I don't I haven't missed an Oklahoma Sooner game in years. Uh, What's your thoughts on last season? How how awful was that? It was pretty rough. That's the worst season we've had since I think 1998. Yeah. So um, it definitely brought back some 90s vibes. But I think we're going to rebound this year. We had the fourth best recruiting class. Um, nothing was more hurtful than that Super Bowl, though. Uh, where we got cheated. Here we go. Okay. Welcome uh, to Mark. If, it, if we got Mark's cheated. team loses, they have been cheated. Somehow. No, no, that's, that's not true. But we did get cheated in the Super Bowl. 
Um, That's not true. Proceeds to talk about how they got cheated. Uh, so we did that, that. That was not a that was not a holding call. The cornerback who I, did it, literally and we, re- and we re-signed him to a three-year contract. I never said he was bad. I'm just saying when he no, gets I'm there just after saying, the game, I wasn't a fan of it. Yeah. Let him go. I mean, I mean he he came why? out. Well, hold on, hold on. Why let him go if he didn't do it? Why let him go if he didn't do it? Yeah. Well, if he was the superstar cornerback, you should I, be overjoyed. I don't, that I don't he's because back. I don't think he's that good to be, to begin with. I think we can go out and get someone better. I just don't think he's all that good. I really right. don't. And not only that, if we hold them to a field goal instead of them scoring, I think we win the game. They hadn't stopped us all game, and the only reason they were in it is because of that Jalen Hurts fumble. Yeah, but. In those big moments, Mahomes did it when they lost against the Buccaneers. In those big moments, you can't turn the ball over. You can't. That, and that's, and that's, that really and that's, is and a that's huge a, And that's a big problem that I've had with Jalen Hurts at times. He doesn't protect the ball very well, but he had a good season. But, yeah, that that's my story. Um, you know, I, I do think the Eagles will win the Super Bowl next year. Um, I think we're going to win the Super Bowl next year. I think the Oklahoma Sooners will make a run. And I'm ready to sit here and talk about some AFC teams so I can start preparing my mind mentally to who we might see in the Super Bowl. So let's get talking. The the bold confidence out of this man right now. All right. Here's it's what there. we're going to do then. Tyler, because you're my brother in Christ, we're going to go with Cleveland first. All right. And partly because I want to get all the laughing done. <laughs> uh, it, I really – and I, I, I'm going to say this. All cards on the table. Yes, I'm a Steelers fan. Yes, I have to hate the Cleveland Browns by default. But your problem is not ever been, in the last 10 years at least, a player problem in the sense of it's it's just you didn't have the right talent or it's not been just coaches, though you've seen a plethora of coaches. It's been the fact that your general managers cannot draft a quarterback. And to prove this point, you go out and get a guy named Deshaun Watson. We're not going to go into all his legal trouble. But in order to get a good quarterback, you had to go get a guy that another team drafted that you could have drafted but didn't. How do you, as a Browns fan, like I, I said when we started, you have to be a trooper to be a Cleveland fan. How do you trust the organization year after year that the product is actually going to be good? Because last year, you guys didn't do very well, you know, overall, and you should have. Uh, you know, you end the season at 7-10, and 10, and you lose several games that you should have won. Um, and you played some teams pretty tight. You know, you, you had some games where you could have won, but when Watson comes in – he didn't really look great in any game that he started last year. So how do you have the confidence that year two is going to be the jump? Um, well, I, I think when you're out on the bench for that long, especially when you're preparing for a season and then it, it gets stripped away from you, um, I think that a lot of that is just a rhythm and a timing thing. And I don't think he was overly impressive as well, but I think that – a lot of that, too, is when you're preparing for a season for 11 games and you're not going to have a Deshaun Watson back there, a quarterback, it kind of changes up your offense a little bit. So going into those that final stretch where he was playing, um, I just don't think that there was enough time to gain enough rhythm. Um, as far as gaining confidence or to continue to come back, 
the pain's almost numb at this point um, simply because, I mean, Cleveland is a wonderful sports town and our, our fans are arguably the most committed um, in America. And we just, we just love them regardless. Um, we are excited coming forward or, or going forward. Um, got a lot of new pieces coming in, got a, got a new DC, but, uh, as far as the quarterback, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and we just, we're just hoping for some success. That's really the one position where we've lacked. You can't really, I mean, name me the best Browns quarterback that you know. Johnny Manziel. No, I'm kidding. He should have been. I guess it'd have to be Baker Mayfield because he stayed there the longest, didn't he? Yeah. Out of all the quarterbacks. Yeah, and it's, I think that – and I'll, I'll, kind of, I'll kind of push back on um, the GM. I think Andrew Barry's done a great job here for us the last couple of years. I, just, I think it's – you know, you got to go win games, and I think that part of that's on the head coach as well. Was Andrew Barry the one that drafted Baker? Uh, no, that was the one previous. Yeah. The, the biggest problem with Cleveland is, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster said this before we lost in the playoffs to the Browns because we were just really not thinking clearly that game. We, we should have won that game, but we totally just came in and acted like we had it in the bag and y'all came and punched us in the mouth. But Juju said, well, the Browns is the Browns. And that got taken out of context and really gave bulletin board material, which no one ever wants to do before a big game. You as a coach know that. You right. try to keep the bulletin board material to a minimum, if any at all. But what he meant by that was, like, you guys had the chance to draft Deshaun Watson, and you didn't. You had the chance to draft Patrick Mahomes, and you didn't. You had the chance to draft Josh Allen, and you didn't. And I think that right there, you know, if you want to say three strikes, you're out. Andrew Barry might finally – flip the switch but when you pick in the top 10 as many years in a row as Cleveland did and you win one playoff game and you do go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs that that was a good game in the divisional round they could have won that game had it not been for just some unfortunate mistakes in the second and half and the the two years before they drafted Baker they went one in 33 I think it was yeah one in 31 yeah one yeah. in 31 yeah. real, real rough stretch there but that's that's kind of where I struggle to to ever trust the Browns. And for me, I'm not saying that I think they're guaranteed two wins every year because I don't think any divisional game is guaranteed in a in an AFC North. No. But I do look at it and go, you know, we didn't have Big Ben last year. We lost the first game against y'all because our coach thought Mitch Trubisky was a great idea. Um, by the way, just a quick side note. We're kind of a little all over the place here, but that's okay. The NFL free agency period should be after the draft because if the Steelers draft Kenny Pickett at 20, they do not go out and sign Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky's terrible. They don't do that because they had to because at the time, I remember reading all the things where it was like Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett could be gone by the time the Steelers pick and all they have is Desmond Ritter. Well, if you know that, you've got to draft a quarterback. Well, if they're all gone – you can't just pick the next guy because you need it. You got to take the best one available. If the draft happened beforehand, Kenny Pickett would have started the entire season. And I do think we might have made the playoffs with that because Pickett, we'll, we're getting a little bit towards the Steelers. I want to try to avoid that. But I think we might still have lost that game against Cleveland. But other than that, he played very well against John the season finale, was better than Watson that day. Played very, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I think if Cleveland has any problem 
it genuinely has been that for a, almost a 15-year stretch, their general manager was terrible. Yeah, I, I think it it's even above that. I think if you look at what the Haslams have done since they have taken over the Browns, uh, it's really been a disappointment to the city. Because um, if you look at what the Browns were before um, Art Modell sold the team, I mean, they were arguably one of the best teams in America. Now, you still have those disappointments with the drive and John Elway and uh, those yeah. those uh, and and, uh, and all that. But, I mean, we were with Bernie, Bernie Cozart, you know, arguably one of the better teams in the league, and then all that just kind of got shot down, and we've really, truly never recovered. Um, but I blame it. I blame a lot of it on the Haslam's and their ability to run the franchise as well and put people in, in place. Um, and I think there's been times in our, um, you know, last two decades of football where we might have given up on coaches too early. I mean, it's hard to really develop a culture when you're only there for two or three years at a time. And I realize it's a it's a win now business, but when you're when you're in a situation like Cleveland. That's not really what you're aiming aiming towards. I mean, realistically, yes, your goal is to win the Super Bowl, and that's what you shoot for. But historically, you know, since the year 2000, the Browns have really never been in a position to do that. Um, and part of that is because the culture is not very good. Um, but I think that here as of late, I think the culture has changed. It's just now uh, putting it all together. I do wish you would go back to your old uniforms. I hate the brown face masks. I like the gray face masks. Yeah, I like the gray and white face masks. I wish well. you I wish you would go back to your old uniforms. I do think that when you're talking about a, a division like the AFC North, it's arguably prior to the AFC West getting as loaded as it's gotten the last couple of years, it's arguably been one of the closest divisions year after year. I mean, I, I still contend that it's the toughest as far as the, the four teams right. in total. And with Cleveland being, quote-unquote, the little stepbrother at times, because that's what they've been referred to as by many people, I really believe you could put the New York Jets in Cleveland's spot and they'd be the same story. You could put anybody in the AFC South, basically, at this point in time, and it'd be the same story. I think you could put the Raiders or Broncos, and it would be the same story. You could You could argue – that you could put the Miami Dolphins maybe even in that, and it would be the same story because you're fighting against three teams that are incredibly physical. Somebody's got to be the bottom of the barrel. Right, and I, I think out of the teams that you just mentioned, outside of maybe the, the Dolphins and the Jets, I mean, on paper, Cleveland is is a better team than all those teams. Um, but, yeah, you're right. When you're playing teams like Pittsburgh and Baltimore and the re, <laughs> renewed Cincinnati Bengals, um, who aren't really all that physical, but they're more um, finesse. Um, but when you're dealing with that type of talent, yeah, I mean, some somebody's got to be at the bottom, and I'm, just unfortunately it's been us. I'm going to make a bold prediction. That's for later, Mark. Here we go. I think the Cleveland Browns will win the division. All right, hold when we, that, when hold we, that when thought. When, when we, we do the records, Come back with that because your record for the Browns will have to be better than any of the other four. Oh, it will be. We'll, we'll talk about it. So let's ask this question. Give me two players, offense and defense, not not acquired recently okay. in free agency. It could be through a trade if that happened. Okay. 
Give me two players on the offense that excite you. Obviously, stay away from Deshaun because everybody's excited to have a full season with Deshaun. Right. You know, maybe some unknown guys, I guess I should say, because Nick Chubb's well-known, Amari Cooper. Give us some guys that you think will make a good year, too. I think uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a guy that we need to um, attack more with. I think that offensively, our our skill guys out wide have – have left a lot to be desired. Um, a lot, not a big, not a bunch of big names out there. Um, but I'm excited to see DPJ really kind of come into his own this next year. Um, and then I, I really like David Njoku as a weapon. I feel like we need to use utilize him a lot more. But I'll be honest, the group that I'm really looking at the most um, is that offensive line group with White Taylor and Joe Batonio and uh, the center that we just resigned. I'll be honest, I thought that that group last year, compared to what they were two years ago, really underperformed. And I'll be honest, I think, and this is not not an opportunity, and I'm not trying to take a shot, but I, I think uh, Jed Wills, um, I'm surprised we've not moved off him um, this offseason. He did not play well as our left tackle. And I think that really, really hurt, especially when you got guys like Jack Conklin on the other side that – Yes, he had some injury problems, but when he was in there, he was really getting after it. So I really expect for that group to make a bounce-back year on offense. Um, and then defense, I'm really looking at uh, Denzel Ward, Ohio native, Buckeye for life. Um, he's kind of that leader on defense. Uh, he he is the one draft pick in recent memory, you know, outside of maybe Miles Garrett. But, you know, we know that Miles is Miles, so yeah. we'll leave that. Yeah. But that secondary um, really hurt us a lot. Now, I think a lot of that is due to scheme. And obviously we've got that change with the Coach Schwartz coming in. But I'm really looking at Denzel to really have – um, a breakout year, and I think he's he's a Buckeye live for life, and I think he's a Brown for life as well. So I'm excited to see him really kind of continue the success. I mean, you could make the argument that he's a a top ten corner in the league, um, and I think that he continues that. So I'm really excited to see how in the new scheme of things he uh, he makes a switch to that. All right. Well, as we think about this, I'm going to throw it to Mark. Mark, what are the biggest areas of concern if you are a Cleveland Browns fan? I think the biggest area of concern is just to continue to develop that offensive line. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, not to belay the point, but two years ago you could have made the argument outside of Philadelphia the best offensive line in football was the Cleveland Browns. And I then agree you, with that. And then you come into this next season, and yes, they were good, but they weren't – like there were times where our run game was just not there and our, our pass blocking ability was uh, – a lot to be left desired. I also think this. If you're a Browns fan, you have to be hoping and praying that Desha- that Deshaun Watson ends up panning out. Because if he doesn't, I mean, what's your plan B? Yeah. I mean, I mean, in all honesty. You know what it is? Your plan B. If I, and I'm, I'm going to say this, and it might sound controversial, but I think it's true because of how Cleveland operates. If Deshaun does not get back to the Houston numbers that he had done, I think you're going to see a lot of conversations about them moving off of Deshaun Watson. And the only reason That's I say that's a lot that, of money. The only reason I say that is that well they already restructured it. Yeah. And here here's what I know. You tell me right now that there's not another team out there that will do exactly what Cleveland cuz here's what I know and I know you'll agree with this. You love you love Deshaun. But that was the dumbest contract to give him because of the fact of the precedent that it set 
that now if he gets 230 fully guaranteed, and you're already restructuring it, that happened recently. Mm-hmm. If that happens with him now, what if he comes out this season and he throws 55 touchdowns? Like if they have an absolute offensive, sh- you know, slow uh, showdown with every team, and he is on top every shootout happens. They, they look brilliant. They look brilliant. But you know what Deshaun's going to do? Deshaun's going to come back and say, "I want more money." Yep. And that's that's the issue when you do a fully guaranteed contract is it leaves you no wiggle room, in my opinion at least, for you to actually get better yeah. because it's all fully guaranteed. And if Deshaun does not pan out, you're either saddled with him until that contract is over at $64 million a year hoping he restructures, or you literally have to take your lumps, trade him to another team, and that team is going to say, yeah, we'll give you a few first-round picks for him, but you're keeping the salary. And now you're stuck. And I think... If, if it doesn't happen with Lamar, and we're going to get to him in just a, two teams from now. It'll be a fun conversation. If it doesn't happen with Lamar, Cleveland may be the first and last team to fully guarantee that large of a contract. Yes. I I think if, we, if Deshaun doesn't have success this year, I think that we've got bigger problems than just Deshaun. I think, I think the talent is definitely evident. Um, but Stefanski really has to – he really caught a lot of criticism this past season with the inability to be productive down the stretch as far as calling good games and finishing games. Like you mentioned before, I mean, we were almost in every game that we played and were unable to finish that. But I, not to de- defend the Browns, not to sound like a homer, but if you're Cleveland and you have the opportunity to go get Deshaun Watson – you do everything to get that, considering what we what we've had before, during the the Brady Quinn years and the Derek Andersons and the Johnny Manziel's and that. And if you have an opportunity to go get that, yeah, it's a really really big number, and I think that all the points are valid. But if you're Cleveland, you go get that done, because you know what he brings to the table. Now, I'm sure they did their investigation. I'm sure they. You know, throughout the process of how many games he might miss, and originally it was not that much, um, but to to miss eleven games in your in your first year and you hadn't played the you know the whole year prior, um, that can be a lot. Um, but yes, yeah. I would I would absolutely agree with that. Well, here's our schedule, and then we'll move on to the Bengals because I need y'all to be thinking about this as you're putting your predictions in your mind. They of course play their division opponents twice each: Ravens, mm-hmm. Bengals, Steelers. They're home for the Jacksonville Jaguars and Tennessee Titans, Arizona Cardinals, who will probably be without Kyler Murray because of that ACL injury. Correct. They're home against the San Francisco 49ers, the Chicago Bears, and the New York Jets. They are on the road against the Houston Texans, the Indianapolis Colts, the L.A. Rams, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Denver Broncos. So that's that's Those are winnable. They are winnable. Now the overall question is going to be, when do they happen? Because I, I'll say this, and we'll move on to the Bengals, but true to form, there was a year, it might have even been last year before last, maybe in 2021 or 2019, where the Steelers played the Ravens, the Browns, the Ravens. That decimated our team, and it decimated the Ravens a little bit too. If you get a stretch like that where it's like you're playing the Bengals, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh within a three- to five-week stretch, that could cripple their season. It could cripple anybody in the AFC North season because of how physical those games end up being. Even the games that are like 41-10 that have happened, 
you still see a player like, oh, this guy broke his ankle. He's out for the year. It, that happens because of how physical the game's get. Insert J.K. Dobbins. Who exactly. We'll get, who, who we will get to. Exactly. So now we go on to the Cincinnati Bengals. Probably, and I say this because i got to be the controversial guy today, the most overrated team in the AFC. We as Ohioans do not claim them. They are from the state of Kentucky. Um, I, I think the Bengals are a team that are only good because of how well they drafted. And what I mean by that is if you take Joe Burrow and you take Jamar Chase and you put them on basically any other team that has three to five of the defensive pieces that the Bengals have, I think they go just as far. I do. I would contend that they probably go further. I mean, because if you look at the Cincinnati – I know we just got done talking about Cleveland's offensive line – if you're looking at Cincinnati's offensive line, what Joe Burrow has been able to do behind that horrendous front line has been absolutely incredible. And the fact that they've gotten as far as they've gotten. Now, I know that they don't have a bunch of big names on defense, but they have been good enough. They've been good enough. And I personally, they should have, in my opinion, they should have beat the Chiefs. They had a they had chances to put him away. Everyone wants to say that hit out of bounds that set him up that set up Kansas City for the field goal. Everyone's like, oh, they're they had they had a drive to put him away there at the end. I do think the Bengals are really really good, and I do think they should have been playing in the Super Bowl, and then they would have lost, of course. But personally, I think I think the Bengals should have beat that. the Chiefs. They, yeah. <laughs> They would have lost. I but. would agree. I would have rooted for the Eagles if that happened. Here, here's two games before we get into their actual roster. Here's two games, the three, sorry, that I actually think prove that I'm I'm just not sold on them. The first was Week One against Pittsburgh, in a in a year where we have no Big Ben, a lot of turnover, and as far as offensive line was basically all new, wide receivers had added new pieces and other things. And you have a quarterback that literally was scared to throw the ball downfield in Mitch Trubisky. He wouldn't do it. I mean, he threw one pass downfield in that game that was a deep shot. And you could tell after he threw it, he thought it was going to be picked. They lose that game 23-20. to Burrow played overall well, but he threw four interceptions. I remember that. You can't do that against a, a reeling Steelers team their first week with Mitch Trubisky. You just can't do it. That was Even a bad game for him, is. yeah. Then, in week five, they lose to Baltimore, 19-17. to Another game that you've got to win. You've got to beat Baltimore. You've got to beat Pittsburgh. You can split with Cleveland because you're probably going to split with Cleveland. But if you know you're going to split with Baltimore or Pittsburgh, you've got to win your first matchups against them, especially in Pittsburgh's case when you're at home against them. They did go to Baltimore and lose that game, and then they beat them at home. But here's the other thing that's kind of unique. The third game, you're going to like this, it was that Monday night game with the Browns hammering the Bengals into the ground. I, I want to point out, as we're talking about Cincinnati and how great that they have been, let's, let's realize that Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals have only beaten the Cleveland Browns one time since Joe Burrow, Burrow has been the starting quarterback. And if you're Cincinnati, that's almost inexcusable because unequivocally – They've been the better team the last three years, and the last four or five matchups, 
we have pretty much dominated them in every aspect, whether it be in Cleveland or in Cincinnati. Um, so if I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan, how do I beat the Cleveland Browns? I know how they do it. They go out, resurrect, and re-sign Chad Ochocinco. <laughs> you know, guys, there's there's a little bit of truth to what Mark just said, though, in his mind. He really – I think if that happened, Mark would say they've got a shot. They've got a shot. Um, and apparently Terrell Owens was working out at one point and was, like, texting – them or the Rams and like call me when they were making give them another chance. That man can do, still do run you know four, the, four. the doctor that did his surgery said that he has the most immaculate body. I guarantee you, Terrell Owens could still play. I'd resign him. <laughs> Forgot Terrell Owens played for the Eagles at one. He point. did. I, I would. I would, right. I would. I would. And bring the him Cowboys back. though. That's. Yeah, but he stood on the star first. So yeah, that's weird. That when he played for the Forty Niners. Well, let's let's talk about the Bengals in this way because. Overall, their schedule, their season last year, they they did start off very poorly. They lost three of their first five games. They ended up losing um, four of their first nine. Uh, so, you know, they were five and four at their bye week, and then they didn't lose again until the AFC Championship game. Of course, there was that Buffalo game that got canceled because of the un- unfortunate collapse which, of DeMar Hamlin. Which I think they would have won because they were up. What weren't they a touchdown going to drive in to score again? They had the yeah, they had the ball. It was seven to three. They had the yeah. ball. They looked like they were starting to drive. I think they would have won that game. I can I can see that being a very real possibility for them winning that. So I mean, you're talking about a team that literally went on almost a fifteen game run. Um and not fifteen games, but a team that went on an eleven game run almost. 10 to 11 games. I was thinking of what their final record would have been, 15 and 4. That's, right. Not, that's not right. But they, yeah. they went on a 10 to 11 game win streak. That is hard to do. But I do think they're one of those teams where if if you give them a better coach, they've won a Super Bowl already. If you give them a coach that's not Zach Taylor, that didn't overestimate the Los Angeles Rams and didn't put Eli Apple into a situation where he had to guard Cooper Cup for the game-winning touchdown – that was the dumbest idea, and I like Eli Apple, but he's not been great in the NFL overall, objectively at least. Uh, no, he is – I would consider him a bust from where he was drafted at. Yeah. Um, he Buck did. out for life, but that life is about to be from the couch. Yeah, with some Doritos. <laughs> All right, well, let me ask you this. You guys, I'll give you one each. Give me one offensive player, not a quarterback – and give me one defensive player. Y'all can pick who who wants to do who, but give me one offensive and defensive player that excites you about this team. I'll go first. Um, defensively, and uh, I know I'm going to sound like a homer with this pick, but I think one of the more underrated defensive linemen in the league right now is Sam Hubbard. What he does for them out there on the edge is honestly quite remarkable. Um, he's he's not overly flashy, but he's always making plays. And the fact that he – I mean, he's a Cincinnati guy, um, and the fact that he gets to play for his hometown team and really be a stud for them, um, that's a, that's really exciting to see. So I, 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 just, I think he's doing a great job, and I think it's the sky's the limit for him. That was my pick, too. I, I really like Hubbard. Uh, Didn't he play at Oklahoma? No, I think I he played at Ohio State. He played Ohio State. Yeah. Hubbard say, played at Ohio Cincinnati. State. I was gonna say, man, hey, if you if you say and he played at Oklahoma, that's the only reason I would have believed. Well, he, he might have, but he. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> well, he might have. He had. He doesn't wear gloves, does he? 
No, that's that's uh, impressive. Henderson. That's uh, Henderson. Hendrix. Okay, yeah. Hendricks. Yeah, yeah, that Hendrix. right there. But I also one guy that I love, absolutely love watching uh, for the Bengals is Jamar Chase. Yeah, I I, I mean he He's is special. incredible. I remember when he first got drafted in that preseason, all the Bengals fans were saying trade him because remember he had those drops. Yep. They were saying, trade him. He's horrible. He's going to be a bust. And in my opinion, he's a top five receiver in the league. Yeah, I can see that. And so I, I really love watching Jamar Chase play. But Hubbard, I, I love her. I love Hubbard. I think he's just he's one of the, he's just a football player. And that's what you want out there on defense. Yeah. Here's a Bengals schedule for this upcoming season. Of course, just like the Ravens and the Steelers and the Browns, they'll play their division opponents twice, you know. So you got a home and away there. They're home for the Houston Texans, Indianapolis Colts, L.A. Rams, Seattle Seahawks, and Buffalo Bills and Minnesota Vikings. All winnable, except the Vikings and Bills will be tough. But and the Rams could could be could be we'll depending see. on when if it is in the healthy. season if they're healthy. And the Seahawks game, who knows what they've done? I, you know who cares? They're at the Arizona Cardinals. Winnable. They're at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Loss. Winnable. I, I I will push back there and say I do think they could lose that game. I think Jacksonville has had I think a very quiet, great offseason. And they'll take, they'll take a huge leap forward. Yes. Trevor Lawrence is going to be one of the best QBs in uh, the league this year. Really, really hot take we'll get. We might get to it a little bit later if I decide to pull it out. But Trevor Lawrence is going to really take a leap this next year. Um, and I think he's going to be a, in the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the NFL. If he cut his yeah. hair. Now, they're going to also be at the San Francisco 49ers. That's probably a, a loss. loss. They're at Tennessee. That's a toss-up. It depends on what happens. I think it's a loss, but it's a toss-up. If Derrick Henry's still there, you never know. It, you never know. It hasn't worked out for the Titans the last couple times they've played, but I genuinely believe that's in part because they, they haven't really gotten Derrick Henry going. If they can find a way to do that, they could win that game, but it would have to be low scoring. And, of course, what I think – unless they open against the Eagles, will be the week one Thursday night football opener, the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. That's a that's a that's gotta be on the schedule you mean Burrowhead. Arrowhead. They proved that it's Arrowhead when they beat no, Joe Burrow they and didn't made Joe it. look terrible. The, the softiness that we have <laughs> in the room right now is is kinda uncontainable at this point. Absolutely. So, moving on. No saltiness, it's truth. Here's, here's what I know. We're talking now about the Baltimore Ravens. I do not hate any team more than I hate the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I, I would legitimately rather just the Steelers no longer be a team than have to risk the Ravens beating us in a playoff game. But that's how much I hate them. I, there's nothing sweeter They're than hit. when we beat Baltimore. They can. I, I will say this about Baltimore. I know you hate them, but consistently throughout the years they have won. Well, yeah, that's why I don't like them. I'm just saying this. <laughs> I'm just saying this right now with the Baltimore Ravens. I think they're going to take a huge step backward. I agree, and I think it's going to be because they will lose Lamar Jackson. I agree. Um, I. D- here's here's what I heard the other day from Rich Eisen, and I thought it was a really interesting point that I do think. Some of these teams, like the Commanders, they've got to be talking about the Colts. This can drag on until Week 10. He does not have to sign until Week 10. 
So that's months from now. And if you do sign Lamar to a deal that the Ravens cannot match, all you've got to do is give them your next two first-round picks, wherever they might be. So here was the strategy that Rich Eisen employed that I thought is brilliant, and I I hope it happens because I think it would be a very neat thing to see. Indianapolis drafts at four. They don't take a quarterback. They take the best player available, a Will Anderson, a Jalen Carter, whoever it may be. They draft again in the first round, or not the first round, but the second round. They wait till after the draft. They go to Lamar and say, here's $200 million guaranteed, fully guaranteed. They can do that and just give the next two-year first-round picks so they can still benefit, get a Will Anderson, a Jalen Carter, if Carter actually does pan out, put him on your defense, make it even more spectacular, have a solid draft, then go sign Lamar Jackson and say, silver platter. We just took the AFC South by storm, and the only other team that stands in our way is the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is a strategy that I think the commanders could employ. I think the Lions could even entertain it. They have two first-round picks, and they could say, if we want, we could make our team better and go get it. I'm not saying it happens, but I'm saying – that's a brilliant niche, you know, little little you know notch in this, if you will. If if I'm Baltimore, I would try to keep Lamar. I really would because I mean they've won with them. I would like to preface this. I do believe that Lamar will suit up for the Baltimore Ravens next year, and I know uh, Michael's kind of already talked about the NFC, but I want to I want to pick just picture this, Lamar Jackson and San Francisco next year with the weapons that they have and the defense that they have. Name me a team in the NFC right now that would be better than that. Eagles. Don't, don't Philadelphia. I, I do think in order to do that, Trey Lance would have to be traded Give him to Trey the Lance. Ravens. Give and him I think, Trey Lance. I think that would be a huge mistake from the 49ers because mm-hmm. I think Trey Lance – is going to have a very good season. Well, what about Brock? What do you think is going to happen with Brock Purdy? I don't think Brock Purdy starts over the guy they traded three first-round picks. No, for. but I mean, what do you think is going to happen with He's him if stay Lamar there. did th- go there? If Lamar went there, they'd got they'd have to trade Purdy and Lance. Yeah, I don't. Th- I mean, unless Purdy just knows, hey, I've got a really solid situation because Lamar. Oh, they keep get hurt. Purdy. They'd keep Purdy. Yeah, Lamar will get hurt at least two months out of the year. That's what's happened the last two seasons. So you you know you do have to think about that. It's like your dad said, he's a porcelain on wheels. He really. And unfortunately, if they don't stop letting him run all over the field, he will become RG3 and be hurt so bad he can't play anymore at the level that he's known for. One of the things that really hurt Andrew Luck, one of the things that really hurt a lot of these quarterbacks, like RG3 and others who ended up leaving, they played so well at one thing that they were so good at, and they overdid it. And Lamar, those highlights where he literally – spins out of two tackles from the Bengals and runs into the end zone for a touchdown, and he's you know, hooting and hollering all over the field, running all over everybody. If he keeps doing that as he gets older, and this is the second year in a row he's missed two months, if I am Baltimore, I am gladly letting him go. I'm gladly letting him go, not because he's not a good player, but because if we sign him to a fully guaranteed contract, which is what he's saying he wants, I don't know the number, but he wants that. You're doing two things. Number one, you're taking a guy who's missed the last 
four months of the last two seasons. November and December, gone, not played. And you're saying, not only are you going to play for us, but you're fully guaranteed to where if you get hurt, we can't cut you. If you get hurt, we can't trade you. No one will take him. If I am Baltimore, I'm looking at the better of the Baltimore Ravens who have to compete in a division where the Steelers may not be a Super Bowl contender year in and year out, but they're a contender in that they're not just going to let you beat them up. The Bengals are a team right now, they're on the rise continually where they could be in the Super Bowl every other year. And the Browns do have a good quarterback, and they've got the same pieces twist. to do everything else. What happens if the Steelers – Dude, if you say that if the Steelers sign Lamar Jackson, I'm kicking you trade off the Trade Kenny Pickett Here we go. for Lamar Jackson. I, so I, hmm. What would you do? That's been the GOAT podcast. We had a really short run no, as a no, podcast. No, no, I'm telling you, but it, I, I it could happen. I promised my – no, it won't. That, I have you know inside sources that know, said it's, it could happen. Do you know what would happen before that? The Kansas City Chiefs would call the Steelers and say, we don't want Mahomes anymore, here you go. That will happen before Lamar Jackson is a Pittsburgh Steeler at this point in his career. As soon he, as he sees him in that black and gold, he would absolutely be a Lamar supporter the entire do you, time. Do you know the Pittsburgh Steelers would be the most popular team in the NFL if that happened? No. Probably negative, but. Yeah, it would happen. Let's move on to the Steelers. Then, Side sources. Because I'm not, I'm not really going to – that's the storyline with the Ravens. You want to talk about J.K. real quick? Uh, well, I just I, I, it's very unfortunate because I think if J.K. is healthy, you could make the argument outside of Nick Chubb, he's probably the best, probably the best back in the division. Um, but I think I, I kind of agree with what Mark said before. I think they're taking a step back. They, if you look at their offense, their best option is Mark Andrews at tight end. He's not Travis Kelsey. Um, their their receivers are probably worse in the division, um, and I mean the Ravens defense is the Raven de- Ravens defense. But if we're being completely honest, Tyler Huntley's not going to cut it. So if they don't sign Lamar, they're they're automatically at the bottom of the division. My Pittsburgh Steelers are now up for discussion, Boo. and we're going to try to go a little bit quicker with this because I could talk all night. And I want to be done with this podcast in the next eight minutes. So, let's see what happens. Here's what I know. The Pittsburgh Steelers could have easily been a 10-win team last year. They could have easily been an 11-win team. Here's what I know. Ready? They lose to New England 17-14. Trubisky played terrible that game. They lose to Cleveland. Trubisky played terrible that game. They lose to the Jets. Trubisky played so bad in the first half, they throw Kenny Pickett to the Wolves in the middle of a second half where Pickett actually lit a spark and we were leading at one point. Two balls bounce off of receivers' hands that should have been caught, that end up being interceptions, we lose the game. That's unfortunate, but it wasn't something that I think was Pickett's fault. We lose to the Bills. There was nothing about that that was good other than the fact that Pickett did throw for 327 yards against a very good Buffalo defense. We beat the Buccaneers. Pickett got hurt in that game when he was slammed to the ground and got a concussion. Trubisky came in. We eked out a 20-18 to win. Miami, we lost 16-10, to a tight game. We dropped four interceptions that night as a defense. Tell me if we caught two of them, which, by the way, the the Dolphins scored on all four of those drives, if I remember correctly. We catch even two of those passes. 
the Dolphins are tied 10-10 to with the Steelers going into overtime. And if the Dolphins are tied 10-10 to with the Steelers in the fourth quarter, Pickett's not throwing that ball into the end zone. We're kicking a field goal to try to win it 13-10. to We lose to the Eagles. No excuse for that. We just we were not a good team that day. I don't think I th- I said I thought there was a chance we could come out and win. And in the very beginning of the game, we drove down the field. We scored a touchdown. It looked good. It quickly unfolded after that. We, we own don't, the state of Pennsylvania. We're moving on. We beat the we beat the Saints. We lose a very tight game against the Bengals, thirty-seven to thirty. One of the first thirty-point games the Steelers have had in like two or three years. So it gave me a lot of hope, especially against a Bengals team. And if it weren't for an inexplicable interception by Kenny Pickett, we were winning that game at the start of the second half. We beat the Falcons. We beat the Colts. We lose a game to Baltimore where Pickett got hurt on the first drive, missed the rest of the game. We lost that game 16-14. to Then we won every game the rest of the season. So let me ask you, the game against New England, the game against Cleveland, the game against Miami, the game against Baltimore, we lose all four of those games guaranteed if Pickett stays healthy the entire time, if we catch those interceptions. I think there's an argument to be made that if the Steelers had a more disciplined defensive unit, we're at least 11-6. and six. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. To I don't said. think it's out of the realm. And then if you're in the playoffs, right when we were playing our best football, who knows? We lose to the Chiefs, no doubt. We probably lose to the Bengals, no doubt. But I think the Bills were a very beatable team at that point. I think the Dolphins were a team that they snuck in and they got destroyed because of their quarterback issues. The Steelers are not a team that is as bad as everybody is saying they are. They're a team that hopefully went the route of the Green Bay Packers where we lost our quarterback to retirement and we replaced him six months later. Like, And I I say six months later because he retired in January and within the next six, seven months, we had Kenny Pickett starting some quality games for us. No one can say that consistently. That's a hard thing to say. Our offense looks really good. Our defense is okay. The biggest questions are going to be our offensive line. They're going to be our defensive depth. I really hope the Steelers, this guy was released today, Bud Dupree, I hope we bring him back on a cheap deal to give a nice rotation because when TJ got hurt, that killed our season. Oh, and by the way, the majority of those games we lost, TJ wasn't playing. It wouldn't have mattered. That I think it would have mattered for a few of those. I think the Miami game, I think the Denver, or not the Denver, but the Patriots game, I think it would have mattered. So, y'all give me your take on if I'm crazy or not. I definitely don't think that you're crazy. If we're being honest, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been the class of the AFC North um, for as long as I've been living, pretty much. So, And how old are you again? I'm 27 this year, so that's quite a while. Um, so Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, and that still reigned true this year. T.J. Watt makes – that defense, um, if we're being honest, yeah. Now, yeah, now, yes, they've got some piece uh, pieces like Mika and Cam Hayward, and shout out big Cam Hayward. That's my guy. Oh yeah. Um, but T.J. Watt is that defense, um, and I think you nailed the the hammer on the head. Uh, that offense line is flat out terrible on the left side specifically. It, and it really is. they're really doing 
Najee Harris a disservice. Um, what Najee Harris has been able to do with that just amount of inconsistency has been absolutely incredible. Um, a young stud in George Pickens. What a season that that guy had. Um, remarkable catches all over the place. Can get open. Is a freak. Um, I, I'm not a big believer in Kenny Pickett, but I think that his his style, his attitude, him being from Pittsburgh, it it just kind of makes sense. Yeah, and I think that he's got a chance. So no, I. I believe the Pittsburgh Steelers are right there. Now, they got to shore up some things on the offense line. I don't know really how you do that in the draft unless you're going to take a guy like Paris Johnson out of Ohio State or a guy like Broderick Jones out of Georgia. Um, I would think that uh, Dewan Jones is, is a good pick up there, but you don't see many right tackles going that high. Um so I don't know that they can get all the problems solved through the draft on the offensive line. But if they get that shirt up and TJ stays healthy, I mean, I know we're talking about Cincinnati, you know, winning the division here the last couple of years, but Pittsburgh's right there. And yeah. at bare minimum, they're a, they are a wild card team. Well, I, don't, I don't think Pittsburgh will do as well. I think Kenny Pickett is the new Baker Mayfield. Here I think. We go. He's I, just doing. Oh, listen! I think. Really. I think he had a good first year. I think he's going to take a step back in his second year and never recover. All right, two things, and then we'll we'll close this out. I hated the Najee Harris pick for this exact reason. We did not have a good offensive line. We had way other pressing needs, and Najee Harris was twenty three years old when we drafted him. You don't draft a bell cow when you don't have an offensive line. That's like somebody I read after we made that draft pick, and I thought it was so true. And I think he's he's done a lot for us, but it's like buying a Ferrari and driving it through Memphis with all those potholes and all the things. That are, you don't do that. But they did because they got it in their heads. All we need is Derrick Henry Jr. How's that worked out for us? Yeah, we haven't had a losing season. Got to have a good line. But you're telling me that Christian Derisaw, who went after Najee, you're telling me that there are other players that we could have even traded up to get that weren't good enough? I don't buy that. Now, the second thing is this. we got to predict the quarterbacks of the AFC North. There's three that are they're staying pat. So we know Baltimore is the only one we're talking about here. We know in Pittsburgh, Kenny's going to start his second season. We know Deshaun Watson's starting, and we know Joe Burrow's starting. I want to hear from each of you who you think will be starting for the Baltimore Ravens in 2023. You know, I I just I don't know if Lamar will want to leave Baltimore because I just don't know like like you said San Francisco is an attractive destination I think but I do think that Baltimore comes in, sweeps in and brings him back uh to Baltimore with with 200 million guaranteed. But even then, I still think once they sign him, I still think Baltimore takes a step back this year. I don't think it's going to matter. But I do think Lamar will re-sign with Baltimore. Tyler? I I have the same sentiment. I don't think he's going to get the Deshaun Watson money that he's he's looking for. I think Baltimore's made that very clear. But if we're being honest at this point, I know we kind of mentioned Washington and – 
uh, Indianapolis as landing spots. Well, Washington just went out and signed um, Jacoby Brissett. Um, so I don't know if that's that's a, a move that they're going to just go with or not uh, for Terry McLaurin's uh, uh, improvement. I really hope not. But I, I truly believe that Lamar is going to settle and he will be a Baltimore Raven um, week one. I don't think that he's going to hold out. I think that he's going to take – He's going to take the money because he's going to realize that the value for him is not – there's not going to be a team that's willing to pay him that amount of money right now. So I definitely think that he suits up as the Baltimore Ravens starting quarterback week one. I'll say Tyler Huntley. I do think that there's a, a very real chance. Baltimore insulted him when they didn't do the non-exclusive tag. And that that is a pure insult because the non-exclusive – or the exclusive tag, excuse me – the exclusive tag means nobody can talk to him. They own him as a player for one more year. They own the rights, and they did the non-exclusive, which was like, hey, anybody can talk, and we'll get two first-round picks if a deal is met. I think if I'm Lamar and I'm looking at that, that's offensive to me because I ha- I am the best quarterback that they've had since Joe Flacco, and Joe, I'm definitely the best that's been there since Steve McNair yeah. when he played those years that he was with them. I'm definitely the best quarterback that they know – would be on their team this upcoming season. If I'm Lamar, I'm, I'm telling anybody, here's what they won't do. You want me? Baltimore won't do 201 guaranteed. You do 210? Can you do 205? They won't do it. And if I'm Baltimore, I genuinely believe, knowing Baltimore as well as I think I do, you don't do the non-exclusive tag if you want him to stay. Because they don't have to worry about the salary cap because they had the money for the exclusive tag. They don't have to worry about all the teams negotiating if he's got the exclusive tag because no one's allowed to. They literally did this, I think, because they said to Lamar, either you're moving and you're going to budge or a team is going to sign you to an offer that we're going to match. And this is the thing people aren't realizing just yet, I don't think. All Lamar has to do is tell them, here's what they wouldn't do for me. And if Baltimore wouldn't do it for him outright, I have a hard time believing that they'd do it when they know there's two first-round picks. You can get two for one. Why pay full price when you can get a discount and Tyler Huntley has played well enough to win you some games? So I'll say Tyler Huntley um, just because I, I do think Lamar is gone. Now, we have to hurry because this has gone a lot longer than I intended. Guys, the other shows this week won't be this long because we won't have two guys on the network uh, of the podcast that love two teams from this division. So, well, we, I know we want to do both takes and team records, but we really got to get to this debate that's in the show notes at the end. We really have to get to it. Uh, well, let's do this then. Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns record will be done by Mark. You'll do the Steelers record. I'll do the Bengals and uh, the Ravens. So I'll say the Ravens without Lamar. Seven. I'll say they, they go 6-11 and 11 because I, I think that they're hurting in other areas too. Yeah. And then I'll say that the Bengals, they, they probably go 12-5 and five at the minimum. They've, they've got some losable games. They'll, they'll probably lose at least once to one of their divisional opponents, maybe twice to another. So I'll say 6-11 and 11 for the Ravens, 12-5 and five for the Bengals. Mark, give me the Cleveland Browns record. I think they're going to win 13 games. <laughs> Here we go. I think 13 Can and 4. Can we get this marked down 
Oh, I'm putting them in the show notes. Okay, so yeah. Just, oh, put market down. market down. They're going to win 13 games. Deshaun Watson's Mark going Garner to pan is out. My new favorite person. Thank you. the The, the defense is going to pan out. The offensive line is good. I think it's going to continue to get better. After 13 he, after wins. After he just said our offensive line is underperformed. No, I, it, it did underperform, but None it's still the happened. talent's still there. Right. The talent's still there. I think they win 13 games. All right, give me the Steelers record. Don't don't be mean. I was nice. I think that the high end is 13. I think the low end is 10. I'm going to go in the middle, and I'm going to go 11. I think it'll really depend on when some of these games are played out. But if T.J. Watt is healthy, I think that they can win 11 games just purely based off his ability to rush the passer. All right, so that brings us finally to our GOAT versus GOAT debate. Troy Polamalu versus Ed Reed. Oh, man. that that. So who's the greatest of all time and who's the greatest of their era? I think Ed Reed is the greatest of the era, but I think the greatest of all time Ooh. is Troy Polamalu. Ooh. That one-hand interception he did against Baltimore where he returned it back for a touchdown – Ed Reed never did anything like that. <laughs> well, he did, but that's <laughs> not, not like that. Okay, Tyler, you did obviously disagree by your facial reaction. Troy Palomalu is definitely don't say it the better athlete. I will not sit here and not deny that because he is. And I'm going to use that example that you just made. Look at Odell Beckham Jr. Since he had that one-handed catch in New York, what has he really done? So we can't just base it off one play. That's an irrelevant argument. We're not just basing it I'm off have one to play right now. <laughs> Troy Polamalu throughout his career was a beast. Oh, Ed Reed is was a beast. Ed Reed's a beast too. On the field. I agree with you. The leadership and the amount of mental preparation that that man put together is undeniable. He's definitely the best. He might be the best safety to ever play. The game. The leadership that he provides, the discipline that he provides, and he'll come out and just absolutely pop you. Not that Troy Palmoli won't, but if I'm starting a team, if I'm starting a defense, I'm centering it around Ed Reed. It's Troy Palmoli for this reason. Statistically, it's Ed Reed, statistically. But I think if you let Troy stay in the backfield like Ed Reed did for the majority of his career, he also would have had a lot more interceptions, especially with all of the crazy interceptions that he got. It wasn't just one one-handed interception. There's like seven that that man made, and all of them are equally impressive. With Troy Polamalu, you get four positions for the price of one. You got a starting strong safety. He played corner. He played edge, and he played inside linebacker. With Ed Reed, you get free safety, and you get corner, and you get edge. Answer me this. Okay. Troy Palmolo's prime. So, let's just say that that 2010 defense yeah. from the Steelers. And what it, let's see, whoever Ed Reed's best team, probably early 2000s, Ravens, maybe a little bit later. But take Troy Palmolo off that team. Their defense is just as good. No, it's not. If you take Ed I Reed completely out of disagree. secondary, I can tell you it's who's not. back there. I can tell you it's not. You know why? Because in 2009, that happened, and we missed the playoffs. 
And in 2010, he stayed healthy the whole season. We were the number one defense in the NFL. When the Ravens won the Super Bowl in 2000, you know, some say that's the greatest, one of the greatest defenses to ever play behind the 85 Bears. Their schedule was terrible that year. You can go back and look, and that's one of the arguments people have against that defense that Ed Reed was on was that that, that schedule was very weak. But even then, Troy, if you're listening to this, I love you, brother. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna continue to defend you with truth. Well, and I'll I'll close it with this, and I'll let you I'll let you end it too. I know in two thousand and eight, Troy Polamalu had a phenomenal year. We won the Super Bowl. Two thousand nine, he busts his knee as he was dominating the Titans that game. Dude had like a sack. He had a, that big one handed interception that was a deep ball to Kenny Britt. He was dominating them, and then on a kick. Uh, on a field goal, he was somehow, for some reason at that stage in his career, we were still letting that that guy go out on field goal block, which makes sense because of his ability, but not when you're trying to protect him. That injury killed our season. I think we could have repeated in 2009 if it weren't for that injury because that was one of Ben's best years offensively. Mike Wallace was going all over the place. 2010, he comes back. He stays healthy. He has his best season ever. And he, he put head and shoulders on the map. He wins defensive M- MVP that year. And he changed our defense. The only thing that hurt us in that Super Bowl, the reason we lost, they targeted his movability. The Packers are on record now saying they targeted Troy and how he moved all over the place. So they just went where he wasn't, or they challenged him and they trusted their guys to make a play. The game plan that we employed against the Green Bay Packers is one of the reasons why there there are people out there that would say that Ed that Ed Reed is better than Troy, other than the stats. But I think the stats make it irrelevant only in the sense that they played two different types of safety. One was strong, one was free. And Troy played a game where he was literally four positions on the field at any given moment. And Ed Reed really never did that. He was Excellent, and I wouldn't want to throw his way, no doubt about it. I think the better argument would be if you put Ed Reed and Troy on the same defense, would anybody ever get past 200 yards passing? Because I don't think you have the ability to take away. Ryan Clark was the liability in that on that defense for the Steelers, and you could argue for many years until Bernard Pollard was there the year they won the Super Bowl, the other safety was a big liability for the Ravens too. So I say, personally, it's Troy. And not just because I'm a Steelers fan, but because Troy was so impressive with the, the multiple amount of positions that he could play. And Ed, Ed was more traditional safety. He could blitz, and he did get a bunch of sacks like that, but not as weird as Troy would be like he would be in the middle of the field, and then all of a sudden he would literally time the snap as the center is snapping it and be in the backfield sacking the quarterback. I've never seen Ed Reed do that. That's why I pick Ed Reed. I'll let you have the last word, though, Tyler. When this debate comes up, you're going to hear people say Ed Reed. Oh, man, his mic just got muted. Oh, what? No, <laughs> go ahead, <Tyler. laughs> and, and that is the correct answer. <laughs> Troy Palamalu is a wonderful player, and he has every right to be in the Hall of Fame. He's, he's got every right to have the, the credits that he has to his name, but it's Ed Reed, and it the numbers would say so. 
Ask Peyton, ask guys like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady who mm-hmm. they would rather not go against. And they've been on record saying it's it's Ed Reed. And Palomalu. <laughs> and Palomalu, but 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 Ed Reed's right there. So I, I think it's a wonderful conversation to have. But just from the the dogness and the, the leadership of Ed Reed. I think it's almost impossible not to not to have him I, I at the think, top of your list. I think yeah, I think Ray Lewis was even on record saying Troy Palomalu. And I'm not he? and I'm not sure that Ed was on Maybe. that 2000 Baltimore defense. Oh, he wasn't. I, I'd have to look at that. His but. his best year was 04 because he only won one Super Bowl. That was the one against the 49ers. But I'll say this as we close: I'm editing all of that to make you say Troy Palomalu is a great player and belongs in the Hall of Fame. All right. No. I th- I do think if Troy did not play as recklessly as he played and he played more back and more traditional strong safety like Ed Reed played, I think their stats would almost be identical. Let's not hold that against Ed Reed then. And that's Ed Reed's fault. Thanks, guys. Tomorrow we'll be talking about the AFC South Thank with you. Justin Johnson and Mark Garner. So uh, tune right. back in then. See ya.